1: Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment.
0: This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times bestselling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 90, Should My Kid Play Violent Video Games? I love the feel of Halloween in the air.
1: I do too. I do too. I will tell you actually, Rena, of all the climates in the world, October in Ohio is my favorite. It is so beautiful here. Yeah, it's just crisp and cool and the leaves are perfect. I love it.
0: Yeah. Well, we have picked out Halloween costumes, which are not to be revealed until Halloween. Um, We didn't know whether to go scary, but we decided to go sweet. We'll explain later. You'll have to check the Instagram for that. Um, Excellent. But what about you? Um,
1: My sixth grader is all in on Halloween, as I was all in on Halloween. And so she's got a costume for herself, and she also makes costumes for us. And so um, it's fun. You know, when she was little, sometimes Halloween could feel scary, and we'd have to account for that. But now that she's older, it's mostly just nothing but fun. She makes costumes for you guys? She does last year she made wow. me a sushi costume that was amazing. No way. And this year my folks are going to be visiting. My mom and
0: I are going to be salt and pepper. Oh my gosh! Wait, salt and pepper like the rap artist or a salt no, and a like pepper? the shakers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe we were going to have to play some salt and pepper music today. That would be fascinating. <laughs> we, we we would
1: give it. We would do our best with it. But no, we actually went to the hardware store and found aluminum. items that actually really do look like the top of a salt and pepper shaker and we're going to wear them on our heads and wear all white and all black.
0: Oh my gosh. We're going to have to post our Halloween costumes this year. This is just incredible. Let's do it. Remember that period when the kids were just really can be easily scared by costumes? They were very little. Yeah. So you know, it's just funny how things change. Um, but now I feel in many ways the scary parts are sometimes video games that they play. And should they be playing these shooting video games? It's a question we get in quite a bit in our inbox where people want to know what's the right thing to do. So we got this letter Hi, Dr. Lisa and Rena. I have an 11 year old son that loves Fortnite and would probably love Call of Duty if I allowed it. Here's the problem I despise first person shooter games. I'm particularly sensitive to them lately since the mass shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde, but they've always unnerved me. I have attempted to implement boundaries around them, such as playing limits, not allowing him to play online with strangers, and having conversations about his general behavior. My son began playing the game three years ago, to my dismay, because he felt left out at school. Pretty quickly, though, his behavior became aggressive at home with his little sisters, and we put the game on hold. But we tried again a year later, and once again, an aggressive streak exposed itself. And we put it on hold again. He's on his third attempt currently, and I have not noticed an uptick in aggression. And he is managing his time within the limits I've set. But I'm still very uncomfortable with how easily phrases born in the game just roll off his tongue, like this one. I got a headshot. Or his seemingly increased knowledge about different types of guns and their power capabilities. The sound of the game, the gunfire, and the majority of the vocabulary he and his friends use make me really uncomfortable. But he gets really upset when I tell him I don't think I want him to play it anymore. He says, it's not real life, mom. Do you have any advice? Thank you. Oh my, my goodness, this letter just resonates on so many levels, hitting just so many themes. But the first thing, Lisa, you know, I want to remind folks, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, at the start of our season, when we were in the midst of the pandemic, you said to me video game playing for a lot of boys between a certain age is quite normal in a way they socialized and it helped me rethink okay i'm gonna actually get an xbox and allow him to play what stands out to you about this letter well i think that's exactly the tension that this
1: parent is struggling with and has struggled with so elegantly i mean there's so much good parenting described in this letter of trying to make it work reeling the kid in letting him try again reeling him back But the tension is it's a social life for a lot of guys. And certainly 11-year-old boys, like this is a lot of how they socialize. But Rena, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. So, yes, especially in the thick of the pandemic, you know, a lot of boys were living their best social lives through their video games. Have you, where have you come down
0: on this question of the kinds of video games that your kids play? I have to say you were right. I didn't understand the social angle of all of this until you made me realize it and it was so helpful for him, especially in the pandemic, and he still plays. He still plays. But what stands out to me in this letter as a mom, first off, her her concerns about the guns and everything, that I that was the reason why I did not want him involved in any of this. So yeah. what this parent lays out, I, I feel because I when I'm thinking about video games, it's it stands out in my mind. But I don't notice in my own son aggression towards his sister the way this parent so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what you're hearing when, when you read this letter and you, you hear her say the aggression that comes out every time he plays. Yeah. What do you think is happening there? Well, this is what we
1: know. Um, violent video games can have that effect. This has been thoroughly researched, and we do indeed know that if we think about kids sort of arraying themselves on a, a sort of a, a range of how violent they are, that violent video games are going to move your kid up a notch and so what it means is if your kid is prone to express anger through violence playing video games is going to increase the likelihood they'll do that what we also know i just want to really give a thorough accounting of the research if your kid is not violent at all if that is just not where they live in any way we have research showing video games are not going to make them violent so you know, if you know that your kid handles him or herself really well around aggression in the real world, that can inform your decision about whether or not violent video games are okay for you. But this boy is very much matching the research of, you know, it sounds like he can get violent on his own. And then when he's playing these
0: games, he gets more violent. I will what say, causes that, Lisa? What what causes that of him watching it and then suddenly you notice the uptick that he just goes crazy, it seems. Well, I think I when we come to kids' digital lives,
1: the word I always am settling back to is this idea of norms, you know, that it norms things that we don't want normed. It makes typical and everyday things that should actually be very, very far away from us or very strange or very rare. And so, you know, the games do norm this idea that you like, you know, deal with the world in this very, very aggressive way and yes the guy is saying it's not real life and also yes i want to acknowledge that on the third try he has not increased his violence like that he has you know the good parenting described in this letter of you know mm. giving the kid a chance and then he gets more violent and then the games go away so far on, you know, attempt number three, he's holding it together in real
0: life. So you attribute that, the 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 fact there's a change in behavior to the parenting that, that you're seeing, that the parent did the right thing here.
1: I'm going to give the parent all the credit here. The other credit, if we're going to, you know, give it out, is like he's getting older. His controls may be better. He may uh. be, you know, able to handle that better. But I'll also tell you, and this is also has to be said, the American Academy of Pediatrics does not recommend any of these. Right, regardless of how violent games? or not violent. Um, Any video games, any vi- not any violent oh. video games. But well, come games. on,
0: how, how realistic is that? Well,
1: that's the question, right? And and I, I just want to say it because it is their recommendation. No violent video games, no violent movies. I totally know where they're coming from. But the tension, again, is if it means that your kid's social life craters, yeah. which is exactly what happened to this guy and how they got started on this road, as a psychologist, I'm going to measure what it means to be socially isolated at school and the psychological harms that we know come with that against what it means to be engaging in games that even if they don't make a kid more violent can be just morally reprehensible, right? I mean, I think part yeah. of what comes across in this letter is the parents like, I hate these things. Like, they're mm-hmm. just horrible and like Call of Duty is off the table still, but, you know, that's that's legit, and so I, I think that's where we find ourselves having to sort this out. Is where, what's the lesser harm here? Mm-hmm.
0: But it, I think it's also an important thing because my son recently asked to play Call of Duty. I'm like, absolutely no way not. But you know, he said, "Mom, can we at least try it? Could we try it?" And so I, it, it's pretty, you know, aggressive, mm-hmm. simply, at least you know, but. You know, I don't see him being violent. I don't see him using that language. I think he is truly able to know this is a different world. That's not always the case for everyone. Like, I want to ask you, is there an age where you think absolutely no video games and an age where you think, okay, we can allow it because they can have a little bit more control over their emotions? I do think... You know, there's certainly ages
1: where we want to minimize video games, just in the name of minimizing screen time. You know that um, there's there's value in kids just having diversity of activity and being physically active. So even if they're playing benign, goofy video games, we want to keep a, a lid on that. You know, especially with very young children, just because they should be doing other things. They shouldn't be you know plopped down in front of an iPad or a, you know a screen um, all the time. At the same time, if you are a family who has not had a quiet meal out at a restaurant in (laughs) five years and you know that you can enjoy a quiet meal and you want to give your kid a video game, like, I'm not going to judge you, right? Like, especially, you know, like, I get that. Um, But I do think, you know, the longer you can hold off on the stuff that is uncomfortable as a parent, um, the better because, you know, we want kids to be older. We want them to have more awareness of what's real and not real, of, you know, this being a fantasy world. But, Rina, you said something. I think you implied something I want to ask you more about. Did mm. you watch him play Call of Duty? Did you sit down and watch the game as he played it?
0: Did you check it out? I did. And the heavy guns. And I just, I didn't even like to stand there. And, and it just bothered me. But I did watch his behavior. And you know what? Here's the thing. He tried it. It wasn't like this contraband thing in the house. He he wanted to do because some of his friends were into it. He tried it. He wasn't really that, I mean, he's not playing it like every day. He plays it when they want to, but he's not addicted to it. He's not talking about guns and all the different things. And you know what? It was an opening for us to sort of talk about that. And we did talk about at the time the shootings. And so it allowed us to have a conversation about why I didn't like it initially how I do believe he's grown up and he can kind of regulate it. And he understands this is sort of a make-believe world. But he kind of wanted to, you know, I guess, play against his friends. Like you said, it was a social thing. So I was okay with that. All right. There's so much good
1: parenting there. And I'm just going to pull out and underscore some key pieces. First, the idea that you sat and watched him play, right? That you actually got a sense of what he was doing, what was involved, Um, It sounds like it definitely confirmed your (laughs) hesitations, right, that you were like, okay. But I also then think that pivoted to a second thing that is so gorgeous in this parenting that you're describing that you've done around conversations, right, that you actually talked about, like what you saw and what it is and how it lines up against very disturbing true stories in the news. And the goal here, I think, is if a parent allows violent video games – that there is an open line of communication about them about what the kid is playing about what's in the kid is you know what the content of what the kid is playing like what's actually happening in the video games and i could see a parent saying okay here's the bargain you will be allowed to play fortnite you may even be allowed to play call of duty i'm going to watch from time to time and then you're going to have to talk to me about it <laughs> like oh, we're going to really have to great. have conversations that's it great. can't be over there and and i think that's a way that to do it and to do exactly what you did, which is to say, here's what I don't like, or here's what makes me really uncomfortable about these. That is valuable. And it's, it's you know, often as good as it gets, like that you may come to the decision that my kid is managing well, it seems to fit his social life, often his, and we can have these
0: conversations. And so we're going to go with it for now. Okay. I, I like that. That's great advice. All right, Lisa, I want to pause for a second, take a quick break. And on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about what really is the bottom line that you need to know about kids and violent video games. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. So I'm really starting to feel it in my mid-40s, just how much stress, hormone fluctuation, and the lack of sleep can really affect the way your skin looks, from dry skin to dark spots and acne. This is why I love one skin they can really help. They've got a simple skincare routine that tackles skin issues at the cellular level. I love that this is an all women team of scientists. OneSkin's developed a proprietary peptide called OS1 that's scientifically validated to actually improve the health of your skin beneath the surface. No irritation, no complicated multi-step routine. It's so simple. I really have felt the difference in how my face looks after using this product. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company, by focusing on the cellular aspect of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. So get started today. Try it out with 15% off using the code ASKLISA at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code ASKLISA. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them the Ask Lisa podcast sent you.
1: EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet. But instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line.
0: slash ask Lisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We're trying to get down to the bottom. What is it that you really need to know about kids and violent video games? So Lisa, do violent video games really make kids more violent? Well, we know from the research that they can. Um,
1: But I think the way we want to ask this question is, is the violent video game making your kid more violent, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's the question that parents want to ask. And this boy, at least in the first two attempts, the answer was yes. And this parent did exactly what I would recommend, which is, Cutting him off, right? Just saying, yeah. this isn't happening. And I also trust, given you know how much incredible parenting is described in this letter, that the parent ex- explained exactly why you can't play the video games because then you are going after your sisters in ways that are violent and aggressive. So they are gone for a while. And she actually, I'm assuming it's a she in the letter. I don't know the parent in this letter. Um, I also noticed in the letter, like there was a long stretch. She said we'd try it again a year later. You know, that, so it wasn't like a week off and go back at it, like really long chunks of development, which I find very impressive that this parent gave real time for that lesson to sink in real time for this boy's controls to try to improve. Second pass still didn't work. Third pass working so far. And what I would say is, Okay, go with it. Maybe the violent behavior in the real world problem has been solved and the social life problem has also been addressed because now this kid can engage that way. But I would also hope that in addition to having ongoing conversations about, okay, let me I'm going to come watch you play Fortnite. I'm just kind of curious about what's going on with it now. I'm curious about what's going on with Call of Duty if he ever gets there and having ongoing conversations that she would or the parent would make it clear. And just to be clear, the day I see you being rough with anyone in the world, we're going to go back on vacation from these things. Wow. That There's no harm in if the parent's instinct suggests that that should happen, saying yeah. those
0: words. Wow, that's good. So you, you've got to set the parameters, tell them, if you do X, then you're going to lose this.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. And what's so... Interesting and wonderful about this letter is there's it's not just the violence controls that this parent has tried, you know, has done a good job of bringing in saying you can't act this way. It is setting time limits and managing within those time limits. There's something subtle in here I want to call out that the parent has said to this boy, you're allowed to play for x amount of time and it sounds like from the way the letter is written that the parent is counting on him to regulate that, to cut himself off and stop. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like in this third attempt, he's doing it. And so that's another piece I want to bring in, which is if parents, you know, kind of decide that the violent video games are worth the social benefits, and maybe handle, you know, the boys handling it, you know, like in the way your son is, where it's like, he gets it, it's not interfering with his daily life, he keeps it in its place. The value of saying, okay, you can do it, but you can only do it for so long a day or so many time, hours in a week. And then saying, these are the parameters around time. It is your job to hold yourself to these. Because you brought up the word addicted, and absolutely it can happen that kids say, the parent says, you can play for 45 minutes. And then, you know, an hour and a half later, the parent's like, whoa, 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 you're still going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um And then that's a blow up. So I would absolutely encourage parents to say, I'm going to give you the time limits. And if you can't
0: observe those without me policing it, you can't play the game. So the other thing in this letter where the parent talks about the increased knowledge of the different types of guns and their power capabilities. The thing is, this isn't a game where you're just shooting down clay pigeons. There are like very heavy guns that, you know. So it, it just gives you pause in the wake of these school shootings. It's just hard to talk about this without acknowledging that context of, of the era we live in right now. Should parents be concerned about them having the knowledge of these different weapons? Is, is that troubling? I find it troubling. I mean, do you find it troubling? Is oh. I, you know, I think it's troubling in the context of school shootings that it, it almost triggers something for, for parents, right? But yeah. do kids, tr- does that translate for kids? Like- my son isn't going crazy about the knowledge of guns and spewing it out and talking to his friends about that. So should I be making a big deal if he isn't? That's a
1: great way to put it.
0: Um, I kind of think no, right? I mean, I think,
1: I think um, watch the games, watch your kid, have the conversations that make the most sense in light of the data that you are collecting between those two observations. But this boy you know, is talking about the games. And this parent is saying the shootings in Buffalo and Uvalde made me, you know, combined with hearing the sounds of these games, hearing my son talk about these weapons. You know, the parent is having a very understandably hard time with it. And this boy's now 11, right? He's yeah. he's probably in the sixth grade. Um, and so I think that he is developmentally able where they, she, this parent could continue that conversation and say, here's what makes me so uncomfortable. You know, these are really, really heavy weapons in the games. And these are the same kinds of weapons that are being used in these horrendous events. Mm-hmm. And so I know, kiddo, that you're saying you know it's not the real world, but I also need you to hear me say some of that horrible, horrible stuff that you are engaging in for play yeah. is actually showing up in the real world. And I need you to understand how awful that truly is, right? Like that mm. conversation mm.
0: could happen. So just going over everything you've discussed right now, so if your child is showing really aggressive behavior, that's a sign you gotta just go cold turkey and cut him off. It is. But here's the wrinkle, Rena. at your house, mm-hmm. right? You're
1: also presumably allowing your child to go to other kids' homes from time to time. And so then you have the problem, and you have this problem all through development, yeah of things you won't allow in your house, but you really cannot effectively police anywhere else. I mean, it, unless you're going to you know, call the other parent and be like, my kid is banned. You are now in charge of this. Oh and how right, embarrassing which is, for the kid. Right. Unlikely. So yes, I think you should cut the kid off at your own house if there is a problem with violent behavior or being unable to manage limits in terms of time. For the parent who's like, well, what difference does it make if he can go over to, you know, the neighbor's house and play? Mm -hmm. Here's what I would say is it makes a difference because over there he knows he's not supposed to be doing that. And he knows what you are unhappy about and he knows that you are uncomfortable about it. And that filter is well in place because he's not even allowed to do it in his own home. So it's not ideal often and this is true we just came up in our conversation about pornography right kids will sometimes look at pornography they'll look at you know things that we don't want them to see we cannot actually seamlessly prevent that there's no way to guarantee your kid won't see it but what you want to guarantee is when your kids see stuff like that, that they are like, oh, my parents are not okay with this.
0: This does not
1: fit with our family values. They
0: you, would not be happy. I just don't see kids when it's banned at home and they're doing it somewhere else and the other kids all love it being like, oh, no, mom told me not to do that, right? I mean, you're just – if you don't speak up and have a conversation with the other parent, like we don't want them to play this, it just like, you are – you're powerless,
1: right? You are powerless, but I do think – kids hear what their parents say, even if they go to other homes and do huh. what they've been asked not to do. I, I, so it's not a perfect solution. But yeah. I think I think that there's a part of the kid that is tugging at them saying, you know, you're not allowed to do this at home. And you know, you're not allowed to do this at home because it is so violent and makes, you know, my folks so uncomfortable. Um, that doesn't mean they won't enjoy it. That doesn't mean they won't do it. That doesn't mean they want to. you won't want to hang out at that house a little bit more. <laughs> But um, I think there's value, and it's bluntly, Rena. and many times it's often as good as it gets. I mean, it it may be impossible to totally cut your kid off, but you can cut them off at home.
0: Mm. That's such a good reminder about kids. You know, you can sound like a broken record and be saying things over and over again and thinking that it's just not resonating, but that hearing you say it does get to the kids. Yeah, they
1: know and they care. They care what we feel. Even if they do opposite, sometimes. Mm.
0: So big overview here. I, I'm, I'm hearing you say you've really got to monitor it, kid by kid. There's no blanket on video games, and opening it up, having a conversation, letting them know what they what makes you uncomfortable and why can really help.
1: Absolutely, and and really, you're just weighing that tension of you know, is this really key to my kid's social life, and is it important for you know my kid to have a social life which the answer is actually yes and you know can I can I tolerate that in light of my own discomfort or other concerns I may have right that that's that's a sort of sticky place that parents have to find their way through um but I love I mean I love how you described your thinking about it with your son and kind of watching and watching his attitude that he's not that you know Um, intensely engaged in it. He kind of takes it for what it is. He uses it socially, but otherwise he can kind of let it go. Like you're describing a version of the story where like, I get it. I think that makes sense. I don't, you know, you don't love the video games. I don't love the video games, but you've come to a place where right now it's tolerable.
0: Mm -hmm. I love what you said about, is this critical to my kid's social life? Because this sort of in many ways opens the window to the teenage years about how you balance things you're not crazy about, but you know might be important for them socially.
1: Oh, yes. (laughs) Right? Like, here we go. That their friends and their company of their friends and spending time with their friends is how they grow as teenagers. Mm. It's such a key part. And and one of the ways we think about it developmentally is – they do loosen their ties to us. They need to, right? Eventually, they're going to leave home. And so as they loosen those ties, they actually have to strengthen ties elsewhere. And it's wonderful to see kids get with their friends and thrive in that context and discover sides of themselves that, you know, don't get cultivated at home. And it's also really anxiety-provoking because you mm. can't control it as a parent and you don't always get to choose how kids are spending their time and you, don't, you never get to choose who their friends are, right? So- this is, I think, um, you, you're exactly right, like, you know, that kind of move into like, all right, my kid's playing, doing something I don't want them to do, to have friends, like, and it's video games for now. It gets us into the reality that parenting teenagers is anxiety provoking for parents.
0: And there's no getting around that. Thanks and for the here reminder. here we go.
1: Thanks you're for welcome. The reminder. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Lisa, what do you have for us for parenting to go?
1: Well, especially in things like this where you have to lay down rules and the rules have to be pretty, you know, real and heavy and observed, my advice would be propose the rules and then talk with your kid about whether or not they're realistic and be open to negotiation. So I'll give a really good example um, with regard to Fortnite. A friend of mine wanted to impose very strict time limits and her son rightly said, but mom, if I'm playing a team game of Fortnite and I'm in the middle of the game, Leaving abruptly actually hurts my other friend, hurts my other, the other player. She yes, this friend. is huge. I didn't know that until yes. we started. Yeah. And so it may sound great. And the parents had to be like, when I tell you it's done, it's done. But that may not be realistic. And so they came to an agreement where she would say, this has to be your last round. Like, you cannot start another round. And Fortnite goes pretty fast, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. And so that was an acceptable limit and a logical limit, and a fair limit. Not what the parents started with, though. So any time we are needing to lay down the law about things, which we should do, it's a huge part of being a parent, sometimes, not any time, sometimes there should be room for checking whether that's realistic and making adjustments so that you can lay down that law.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that would be, I think, um,
1: a way to go about this.
0: Things I never knew 10 years ago I would be Thinking about it as a parent, <laughs> but it's oh, hugely important for their social life. It is. It really is, Rena. Well, thank you for guiding us through because there are some important tips that that I am learning and I think will be valuable to a lot of parents who are picking up gaming. Yep. And so next week, Lisa, we're going to talk about my kid hating being a late bloomer, what you can do to help. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.